But of course, everybody on the internet was like, it's got star, it's got war in the title. Of course they're about war. Of course. <laughs> you like that movies with mikey oh about the dark knight yeah it was a good episode of movies with mikey <laughs> i don't agree with the joker being the real hero what he said but it, it, i love movies with mikey <laughs> like i i enjoyed watching it very much yeah. uh but yeah i don't agree with him i don't think uh heath ledger's performance is the best of all time who's better i don't know but i just, <laughs> Like I don't have a list ready to go, okay. but it does. It uh, there's he's not the best of all time. It's his performance is really good. Yeah, like it's an amazing performance. But uh, I'm I feel like saying that it's hard to say that without being influenced by the fact that he died afterwards. Oh, I don't think you can say it without being influenced by that fact. But him dying doesn't make his performance better. No, but it certainly makes your opinion more favorable. Yes, so. I know, but I've seen Heath Ledger in other things, and I don't think he's as good as he was in The Joker, as The Joker. I agree. Like uh, in 10 Things I Hate About You, which I think he's good, but he's a handsome lunk. Like, yeah. And he plays <laughs> handsome lunk pretty well, which is what he also played in Brokeback Mountain. He was a handsome lunk. Yeah. Um, I never actually saw Brokeback Mountain. Neither did I. I assume he was a handsome lunk. I mean, he is a handsome lunk. Yeah. But... Um... Yeah, and I also like we we chatted about yeah. my feelings on the Dark Knight as well, but <laughs> I I don't like like it, it's a very movies with Mikey thing to say that the Joker is the actual protagonist and he's the one that is doing morally good things, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't like I don't like the way that lots of fans of the Joker exist in the world. Yeah. And are a, a horrible part of the internet culture. I, so I, it's, I do hate people who like the Joker it's a lot. Scare, <laughs> it scares me to see his character portrayed as good. That's fair. Yeah. I, I do get mad at people who like things the wrong way. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a terrible thing to say. I do. Uh, and I, like, Mikey Newman is not the kind of person no, who no. is a troll who thinks My, the Joker. Mikey Newman is nothing but love. Right. Uh, and. Yeah, like his his opinion on it is totally fine. Yeah, I just don't agree with it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I wanted to tell you about my international incident we had mentioned a while ago. That's right. It's not as good a story as it seems. I mean, it's an international incident, so it's at least a decent story. So, uh, so I have you know, as as you I think know, a Kickstarter problem, mm-hmm. which is that I Kickstarter too many things. Yeah, I've never. Uh, we haven't had an, inter- an intervention for you, but I'm aware that you do yeah. too much. It's I'm I'm like I think one of my New Year's resolutions is Kickstarter fewer things. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe maybe don't throw as much money at Kickstarter as I currently do. Mm. But uh, so let's back up and talk about a book of short stories that came out, um, edited by a guy named Ryan North. Who does dinosaur comics? Um, uh-huh. He wrote for the Adventure Time comic for a little while. He currently writes Squirrel Girl, mm. uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, currently running comic strip or comic book. I didn't know he did uh, all those things. Yeah, he That's also a... he's also the creator of Project Wonderful, the advertising website we mentioned. Really? Yeah, he also wrote uh, To Be or Not to Be. That is the adventure, the choose your own Hamlet book <laughs> that I love, um, as well as the pseudo sequel. 
Romeo and or Juliet, which is a choose your own adventure, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Um, both of which are like 600 pages long. Oh my God. Yeah, they're amazing. Wow. That's quite the resume. They're great. Like I... Ryan North has never done a thing that I didn't love. Like Ryan North got stuck in a hole with his dog and it was amazing. That's not even a joke. <laughs> what? Um, we'll get back to the international incident in a sec. Uh, Ryan North has a dog named Noam Chomsky. Wow. Because of course he does. Mm-hmm. And he's this shaggy mutt of a dog and he's on the internet occasionally because mm-hmm. Ryan North posts, posts pictures of him. And he was walking his dog uh, and they went to a skate park and they got down into one of those, you know, skate park bowls mm-hmm. that exist at skate parks and took a picture of his dog, like sitting in the middle of it, like in the rain. Yeah. And then couldn't get out because it was wet and it was all slippery. Oh, yeah. It was one of the, it was yeah. a, like a, a pool. Yeah. So it's, yeah, the slopes. And so sides. like he could get himself out, but he couldn't get himself and the dog out and he could put the, he could. He, he couldn't hold the dog and get the dog up on top and then get himself out. Um, and so he was like tweeting about this as it happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> and basically turned it into an inventory room puzzle, like locked room puzzle. He's like, help me, Internet. I'm stuck in a hole. I've got an umbrella, a leash, my dog. <laughs> and people would like tell him to try things and he would try them and report back. That's incredible. Um, and he eventually combined the elements of his inventory to get him and his dog out, which is that he climbed out, pulled Chomsky up with the leash as far as he could go, like, safely, and then used the hook at the end of the umbrella to grab Chomsky's butt and pull him the rest of the way up. Wow. Um, yeah. And it even made the news. <laughs> like, the local news in Canada where he was at. And he goes, and he always calls it the story where I walked my dog so badly it made the news. <laughs> uh, and so Ryan North does, there's nothing Ryan North has done that I have not just loved. That's awesome. I yeah. am, I'm, I'm one of his true fans. I'm familiar with uh, Dinosaur Comics, mm-hmm. and which is incredible. Yeah, I love it. Love and it. Uh, the Adventure Time uh, mm-hmm. comic books, which I've read a couple of, which are great. Yeah. Um, and he wrote, it's actually started as a dinosaur comic, um, a premise of this machine where uh, you can put in your finger and it draws a uh, drop of blood and spits out a card that tells you exactly how you will die. And so it could say, uh, you know, hit by a bus, or it could say old age, or choked on a handful of popcorn. <laughs> um, but the thing is, the machine is 100% accurate always it's also incredibly vague okay so old age could mean you live to be 96 years old and die in a hospital surrounded by friends and family or it could mean you get hit by a bus full of senior citizens (laughs) um so there's 100 percent accurate and entirely useless information oh that's good uh and this it kind of blew up and he eventually made a book of short stories that other people submitted called The Machine of Death, <laughs> where authors just took this idea and wrote a short story about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all independent. They don't, none of them take place in the same universe, but all starting some, from the same point of like, there is a machine that you can put your finger in and it will tell you how you will die. <laughs> 
that's awesome. And it's it's a really good book, and it's funny and sad, and some of it's some of it's like just devastating. Some of it's really humorous. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, there's a group of high school kids. You know, in high school, you, your clique is determined by how you're gonna die. Like, what does your card say? <laughs> uh, things like that. Yeah. And uh, so that got made. Uh, they actually made a second book uh, of more short stories called "This Is How You Die," um, which was also good. I have both of them. And then eventually, he partnered with Ryan Estrada, who does Wondermark. Not Ryan Estrada. David Malky. I get David Malky and Ryan Estrada confused because they both write comics and make things I love, and they look <laughs> a lot alike. Uh, David Malky, uh, who writes Wondermark, who's another comic, he, along with some other people, made a game based on the Machine of Death world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the premise of the game is you are... Um, it's, and it's, a, it's a party collaborative game. Uh, you are a group of assassins, and you have been given your target's name and info about them, and also how they're going to die you, you have a copy of their card nice and so you have to make that happen yeah that's and, a, that sounds like a fun game and you and you're given like a deck of like different tools that you can use mm-hmm. that could be like refrigerator um and so there's like the game comes like the base game comes with a bunch there's a bunch of expansions that have more like just death cards like this is how you you draw this and this is how they're gonna die and you gotta make it happen i could say banana <laughs> uh, you don't know um, but so you have to make it happen and there's a light dice rolling mechanic where you say okay we're going to do this this then this and you roll a die to see if this happens and if it doesn't you have to do something else mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a very fun silly party game yeah and it was also kickstarted uh, I bought it and uh, they shipped it you know it was it was printed in China like most board games are mm-hmm. and then shipped you know on the slow boat across the Pacific and then it hit US Customs mm-hmm. and what the manifest said was that these, you know, crates, this this packed shipping container on the manifest said it was full of, was Machine of Death. Because <laughs> that was the name of the board game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's full. Yeah, that's what's in there. It's Machine of Death. <laughs> um, and it literally, like, caused an international incident uh, where they were going to maybe have to ship them back to China or not accept them in customs and they had even when they got to the u.s they had difficulty shipping them out of state into other countries um because <sighs> that's incredible because it all just said machine of death right <laughs> it was like you know ten thousand copies machine of death it's like oh no yeah i mean like if i was in charge of some you know logistics company yeah. or whatever and i saw that on a packing slip you gotta or- you gotta go Hold, okay, let's hold on. Uh, let's, let's check this out. Let's yeah. see what's going on here. Yeah, yeah so you're like, uh, you know, you're receiving things at a, in, you know, a dock in LA or whatever, yeah. and you're like, should we accept machine, you know, this many pallets worth of machine of death from China? It's like, um, let's call somebody first. No. <laughs> so did it like take an extra long time? It did. To, it to took an it, extra yeah. long time. Like it was sitting. Uh, in a dock for a month or two while they were figuring it out. Wow. And like the guy who was running the Kickstarter, David Monkey, was like posting video updates and being like, like, hey, this is still happening. Like, sorry, I want to get these to you sooner. That's so funny. But I can't. I mean, so Kickstarters are notorious for like being delayed and having yes. all kinds of And I, I always expect that. Right. You, you you should if you are kickstarting a lot you know to build in time yeah but uh that's kind of a that's a worthwhile reason to wait i thought it was a good story yeah 
Yeah, there's a number of of like I knew about the uh, the shipping strike that was going on uh, like six months ago because a number of my Kickstarters were dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Have you ever kickstarted anything? Um, I I don't kickstart like products like physical yeah things the, i've be- done that a couple times and it's really backfired be, like because of the risk of it and yeah. a lot of the times like when there's like a popular kickstarter it's like f- just for some dumb piece of technology that everybody thinks is gonna like make their lives way better but it definitely seems dumb 93 i've kickstarted 93 things wow wow i, I like kickstarter like i'm yeah. glad it exists and i think it's a really awesome tool for people to get to do things that they otherwise couldn't be able wouldn't be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I do remember something of Kickstarter. Yeah, I think I think this is probably the only thing. Uh, there was a there's a, a website called Put This On. Okay, which is a, a blog about menswear mm. uh, and clothing and, and whatnot. It's, Sounds like a thing you would like. Yeah, and it's uh, it's run by Jesse Thorne, who of Maximum of Fun, Je- Jordan Jesse of Go, Jordan Jesse Go, and. Uh, I mean, it was like eight, seven or eight years ago, probably at this point. Yeah. And they were they made like a video series. Yeah. Where they were like making episodes about some clothing stuff, and so they did Kickstarter for yeah. it. Yeah. And you gave them a couple bucks. Yeah, it was like ten bucks or something, and I got a sticker. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's a, that's another thing is like a lot of the work I create, I kickstart, not all, but a lot of it is like creative works that, right. where the risk is so much lower. Right. So, uh, like, I kickstart comic anthologies. Uh, board games are, are a pretty common one because yeah. they're the, the, you know, if I get a bad board game, okay, that's, you know, that's a risk I took. Like, if the game is bad? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's less likely to, like, not function properly. Exactly. <laughs> or never show up because the technology doesn't exist. Right. Like, the game might not be great. But people know how to manufacture board games. Yes. People know how to print books. Yes. People know how to distribute things on the internet. Yeah. Right? But if you kickstart a piece of technology that requires some novel manufacturing expertise... You're like, going to have trouble. Yeah. I did way too recently do that with one that did not end well, and I'm very unhappy about it. Oh, yeah? Um, it was called the Nope 2.0. Uh, so the Nope originally was a... Uh, camera cover for your computer oh, so uh-huh. it was a little mag- it had a little magnet that would spin around and you could cover it and uncover it very easily it was very stylish it was mm-hmm. better than just a sticker because it was easily removable yeah um and they had a kickstarter for a better version that was going to be you know 0.8 millimeters thin and could go on a laptop or on a phone and do the same thing yeah um because like the eff is like cover your screen cover your camera yeah I'm like, okay, EFF, I will do that. Yeah. Like, like, you can buy a set of stickers from them and do it with those. But I was like, this is kind of a cool thing. And I'll, it was like five bucks. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got a six pack, which was like 30 bucks. Um, I'm like, well, that'll cover, you know, phone, laptop, and uh, iPad for Amy and me. I'm like, that's plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they shipped them and they came out and like, we got them and they were about three times thicker than they were promised to be. Hmm. So they don't really close on your laptop. Oh, that sucks. Um, and they didn't tell anybody about it until after they had shipped. Um, and they have then, so that they, like after the Kickstarter closed, you could order them from your website. Mm-hmm. And they had the pictures of the old one, mm-hmm. or the one that they were prototyped. Yeah. And like once people found out they didn't actually look like that, they removed all reference of it from their website. 
that's shitty. It was super shitty. And they they keep giving us updates. Like, we're working on solving this. We're going to try and fix it. And I don't know if they will or not. Oh. But I was... And the adhesive didn't stick. Like, it was... I put it on my laptop anyway, and it lasted three days. Yeah. Like, it was all really dumb. And I'm like, I was just mad. That sucks. Um... It's so like that one did not go well. Yeah. I did back the fidget cube. Yeah, that seems cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, I have fidgety things at my desk. Yeah. I'm a, I don't want that because I would use it too much. Yeah. But uh, I'm a, I'm a fidgeter. I use it. I, I have a nice product. Yeah. That. Yeah. Most of what I back is like media. Right. Because you know the challenge is the person making mm-hmm. their the media not getting it to you yes or making it exist or, in the world yeah. yeah although to be fair there have been some like board game and comic book kickstarters where the people have just basically just run off with the money or never did anything with it like that's that still yeah. exists yeah but that risk is lower and generally i'm backing things from people who have at least some history of making a thing before mm, and accomplishing mm-hmm. this and getting it made mm-hmm. yeah um i will buy something that used to be a kickstarter yeah but is like now a product that is sold mm-hmm. uh like the the mount that i use for my phone yeah uh, on my bike started as a kickstarter yeah it started as a kickstarter and i didn't kickstart it yeah because i but didn't. once it was available right but once all the kickstarter people got it and you know, and it was super late and all that stuff. Yeah. But you know, Kickstarter people got it, and then it was a product that you could just buy on their website, and, and it, it worked. And it was on Amazon and it had some reviews. I was like, okay, I'll buy that. Yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna try and do going <laughs> forward. Yeah. Um, and like only Kickstarter thing if I am passionate about it instead of just oh that's cool, mm-hmm. which is kind of my default reaction. Right. Which I mean, that's kind of Kickstarter's whole business model is surfacing things that are like oh that's really cool so that yeah. they can take your money but i really want to like it has to be something that like because the first thing i ever kickstarted this was like years ago this was early days of kickstarter was invite only like you couldn't kickstart a thing unless really? you knew somebody who had done it as well and they uh, gave you an invite um and this was the first group of people that was really using it was uh comic creators web comic creators would use it to fund printing collections of mm-hmm. their work mm-hmm. and so there's like i need three thousand dollars to make a print run of my book. Yeah. Um, and if you back it at a certain tier, I will give you a copy of it. Because mm-hmm. that's showing there's enough demand for me to make this larger thing. Right. Um, and that's mostly what I backed for a long time. Now, there is still one. I'm kind of mad at the guy. Because um, he ran a webcomic for 10 years. And he kickstarted the first two or three books. Or he printed the, I think he kickstarted them. But he printed the first three years worth of books. And then he shut down the comic five years ago and held a kickstarter to have a digital version of all of 10 of his years so it was like all 10 years of theater hopper and he's basically just stopped yeah yeah he never like and it's it's like the files already exist he's gonna write commentary and put them into like ebooks and sell them and he just hasn't (laughs) and like he's a nice guy i still follow him on twitter i still like his comic he doesn't write anymore but like and he's got two kids and a new job and like all that stuff but like he just never did it yeah, that sucks. And like sometimes I want to go like I'm just disappointed. Yeah. But like, I mean I actually want to check like when was the last time that got updated? I feel like it was a year ago. But that's I mean that's part of the Kickstarter. Yes. You know, 
unwritten contract is, or maybe maybe even is written, like, but you, like, there's risk in, inherent in it. You yes. might not get the thing that you give the money to. Like, they're not obligated to deliver. No, and are Kickstarter they? is very clear on that. Yeah. Um, to abscond or to to cut all of their you know protect themselves right like you can't yeah. if someone doesn't deliver a product you can't just sue them and yeah but I, there was a i'm gonna try to find this article to put in the notes but there was a an amazing amazing uh article i read about a kickstarter project for a drone hmm. that went so horribly really yeah like so this this kickstarter appeared uh, and it was for this really cool camera drone that, like, did some awesome stuff. It was marketed towards, like, adventure sports people because it would – it could, like, track you and follow you. Okay. And, you know, had a great camera on it and great battery life. And the video on the Kickstarter page was amazing and, like, showed it doing all this really awesome stuff. And, you know, it's a classic story of, like, they made a great demo and a great video and had, like, one working prototype. And that's and it. And then they could not – make it and they they it kickstarted for millions and millions of dollars and they got tons of money and, and then nothing. and like they hired people and built a factory and Ugh. all this stuff and like burned through the money and couldn't deliver and then there was you know all this drama and lawsuits and all this stuff and it, it was it's, a, it's an amazing story so I'll, yeah i'll find the article but i'm just that's why i don't kickstart hardware yeah, yeah. <laughs> hardware is the one I'm like. Just uh, every time I think about it, uh, I'm. I've done a few, but I'm always real cautious. Yeah. Because it's really hard, and people don't know it's really hard. Yeah. And and it's a you know it's 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 really hard to make a prototype of something, and it's an entirely different kind of hard to, to make, make thousands it, to manufacture of them. something. Yeah. Right. Because you like you can sit in a workshop and by hand build whatever with mm -hmm. the right skills, but coming now do up, that scalable. Yeah, like then you know creating the machinery and the manufacturing process to make thousands. Of, yeah, oh. yeah. I did see one from a, a game creator who had a really successful Kickstarter uh, and lost a bunch of money because of it. Yeah. So their game was really successful, or the, the Kickstarter was really successful. It was an election themed game and it came out, you know, they were, they were doing it in 2014, 2015. So the election was gaining popularity and they're like, we're going to do it really well. Mm -hmm. um, and their Kickstarter was hugely successful. So they basically printed four times as many games as they expected to, and then didn't sell them. Really? Um, like they, they had their Kickstarter copies that they had, you know, gave out to everybody, but then sales basically bottomed out. <laughs> um, and so their success actually hurt them because then they had to pay to store all of these. Yeah. Um, and like you, you can store them at an Amazon web, you know, at, a, at, you know, Amazon warehouse, but you're paying for that space as a, as you know, a product owner. Right. Right. And so like it took them another year to get into the positive because they bought too many of their games because they were too successful in their Kickstarter. So they overspent, like they had the money. Yeah. But they didn't have the logistics on the back end to deal with it. Interesting, and I, I think that also kind of goes to show that like people Kickstarter stuff and it you know can go viral or whatever and be really popular, but then no one cares afterwards. Yeah, right. Like this, you know, cool hot new product or whatever. Oh yeah, I'll toss twenty bucks. Then you just completely forget it, it exists because you don't actually care about it. Yeah, 
it's just a cool thing you saw and you and the money commitment wasn't yeah. that high i did get mad at the uh, i don't remember the coffee julies i don't know what that is they were they were an early kickstarter product mm-hmm. um they they were golf ball sized metal things uh in the shape of a coffee bean mm-hmm. and the premise was um using magic and and you know secret metals inside you would put them into your coffee and it would um reduce the co- heat of your coffee so it would absorb some of the heat right but then re-release it over time so your coffee would stay warmer longer but it wouldn't be piping hot to begin with so so instead of being 200 degrees it would bring it down to right. 180 or 160 which is a drinkable temperature and then it would... and then keep it there for a long period of time by really re- releasing some of this energy that they had soaked up um, and they did nothing or they did next to nothing well i mean like that like that does kind of make sense it does because i'm certain you can find a metal that loses its heat energy slower than coffee liquid does yeah like that was that was the the premise but it's marketed as like it's absorbing and yeah you know slowly releasing its energy like it's like like a reverse ice cube as if it's like doing it on purpose yeah (laughs) um so they they made them and they released them and they're not effective they were also huge and so you had less coffee in your coffee cup yeah you did you say golf ball size they were big that's Maybe slightly smaller than a golf ball, but not much. That's that's such a perfect example of something that sounds really cool if you pay attention to it for five seconds, but is actually just incredibly dumb. Yeah, and I'm really glad I didn't back them. That's when I thought about backing and did not. But, I mean, at least it probably wasn't that hard to manufacture. No, I think they came out pretty effectively. <laughs> like if it's just a steel, like a molded steel Well, apparently it had something inside or... of it as well. So like the, yeah. the, the external was a food-grade stainless steel, but the inside was this magic metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, magic metal. Yeah. 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 I think that's what they called it. Yeah. I know magic metal. Did you see Rogue One yet? No. Are you? Do you care? A little bit. I'm gonna go see it with my dad. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's the thing my dad and I do is we go see movies together. Nice. Um, we have for have for years. Uh, and there's a bunch we want to go see. We want to see Rogue One, maybe Doctor Strange, because I still haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Um. We're probably going to go see Bad Santa 2. Because we really liked Bad Santa 1. Yeah. Although Bad Santa 2 seems really bad and not in the good way that Bad Santa 1 was. <laughs> I haven't seen either of them, but they... Bad Santa 1 has a unique, like, dark humor and charm about it. Really? Yeah. Oh, it, it, my, it always struck me as just, like, some dumb bad comedy. It's it's good. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I and I think it's actually good and not just that I like it. <laughs> not this again. Not this again. But I, I think it's actually good. Like Billy Bob Thornton is really good. Like it's it's got some bleak humor in it. Okay. Um uh, perfect I, for Christmas. But time. I think it's like it it is like kind of Matt fits that, like and it uses that. Um but apparently Bad Santa 2 is just bad. Oh. Uh, oh, but yeah, there's a few movies you want to go see um and like star wars like has always been like a thing my dad and i see together so awesome. we will see that when i get back in town yeah i haven't seen it yet yeah but i'm very excited to see it everybody seems very happy with it yeah i mean it, it 
it seems like it's easy to forget now, but it's still quite a victory to <laughs> come out with even a good just Star a Wars movie. Good Star Wars movie, like that's a significant victory that I don't want to forget that we can still get. Yeah, like we can get good Star Wars movies now. That's I, awesome. I do a little bit still think we're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase One of Star Wars movies right now. Oh, we probably are. <laughs> yeah, we probably are. Like, I don't know what that's going to, like, turn into long term. Like, if, but... I mean, episode eight is directed by Ryan Johnson. If that's our Joss Whedon's first Avengers. Yeah. Then episode nine is going to be directed by Colin Trevorrow, who made Jurassic World. And that might... And that's our Avengers too. Yeah. Like, that <laughs> might... Like, I'm not particularly optimistic about that no. one. So. But, hey, I will... Ce- I will... For the rest of my life, I will celebrate the victory that we got some good star wars movies again yeah that's yeah. A pretty big deal yeah R- rogue one seems like uh the right have you seen trailers for it a couple but yeah. i haven't really been paying attention it, like i think i saw the first one it seems like the right movie for the world right now <laughs> like we need we need a good movie about a about a diverse group of rebels yeah doing something good i saw a funny uh tweet from somebody it was a retweet from somewhere else mm-hmm. uh guy said i uh, went ahead and wrote my star wars article uh i'm gonna go see rogue one today i had a, a fake picture of the headline that said star wars rogue one is the perfect film for our time because it perfectly aligns with my political beliefs <laughs> unless it doesn't in which case it's garbage <laughs> That's kind of yeah. I mean, that's pretty much my opinion, which I thought was very funny. Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't align with my political beliefs, it'll be a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Star Wars is popular enough that I feel like anybody can be a fan of it. Like, yeah. I will, I will watch a movie about a diverse group of upstart rebels and be like, yes, liberalism, progressives, <laughs> right? And the super conservative can probably watch it and get. Yeah. their message out of it. I'm too, sure. Because they're generic enough. Yeah. My favorite um, recent Twitter kerfuffle about Star Wars um, was Todd Vanderwerf wrote a, uh, a review of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the headline of that review, which he did not write but did approve, was Rogue One is the first Star Wars movie to actually be about war. Yeah, I saw this. Um, <laughs> which, like makes sense from an actual standpoint of like yeah that's fair mm-hmm. like episodes one through three are not about anything they're dumb and stupid <laughs> they're, they're about politics yeah, yeah they're bad and trade negotiations um, and the original trilogy are not really about like intergalactic conflict like there's a rebel and there's an empire but it's not yeah it's a space fantasy yeah. it's epic it's operatic though there is a war happening but it's not really about it's not it. about that yeah. um and so like Rogue One being like about war makes a like sure I can see that it's like okay yeah it's about like the difficulties of war you know yeah in the, in the same way there's a really big difference between Hogan's Heroes and Saving Private Ryan they're both about World War Two yeah yeah <laughs> um, but one is like about war and one is not right and I think honestly the first Star Wars movies kind of fit into that. Yeah. But of course, everybody on the internet was like, "It's got star. It's got war in the title. Of course, they're about war. Of course." Yeah. And I follow Todd Vanderwerf on Twitter, and he is just endlessly amused by these. By these <laughs> yeah, he's probably getting a people. Kick out of it. 
Yeah, and it's just, it's flabbergasting, like, how many people can't have any sort of, like, critical thought about something like this. Like, because I hear, like, oh, it's the first Star Wars movie about war. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I can see why that would be. Yeah. But everyone else was like, no, it says war in the title, so it's always about war. Absolutely, always. That's that's what they've been about. What else did you think they were about? Stars? Nope. Yeah, they're actually not about stars at all. No. And not really about war. They should... Episode 8 or 9 should be, like, about a star. So he can write a review headlines. That would be pretty good. Star Wars Episode 9 is the first Star Wars movie about about stars. stars. And then everyone can have this kerfuffle again. That would be fun. I would like that. (laughs) Who does he write for? Vox. Vox, yeah, that's right. He he was, for a while, he was their their senior cultural editor. Mm -hmm. Um, Then he got demoted, kind of? To film reviews? Uh, Well, no, to uh, critic at large. Oh, okay. So, because Vox has, like, politics and news and, like, culture. Yeah. Um, and he wrote this. He's, he does a, a weekly newsletter as well that you can subscribe to, and I read because I really like him as a critic, and I think he, he – we don't always agree on things, but I respect his opinion and how he talks about things. Yeah. Uh, and he talked about, like, how – he told the story of kind of, like, how one day he got a call from his boss and how this new person who's been working under him is now going to be his boss. <laughs> uh, and he was like, yeah, that's probably the right choice. <laughs> I have I have such a hard time when I'm in when I'm a retail customer. Yeah. And I'm not getting a good experience because I'm a retail employee and I'm very very wary of like being a bad customer. Yes. I, I want, I'm super sympathetic. I try very hard to be a great customer mm-hmm. because retail employees don't get great customers a lot. Yeah. And I want to be that because mm-hmm. I know how to. Yes. Uh but Boy, like it's, I get it. Like it's still frustrating when you get a bad experience at a retail place. Yeah. Cause it sucks. Yeah. I, so I went to Chipotle a couple weeks ago and how's I, your, how's your digestion? It was fine. <laughs> I went to, I went to Chipotle like in the middle of the height of the media freak <laughs> out about them killing people or whatever. Cause I, Literally, people talking about Chipotle so much made me put me in the mood for a burrito. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to go to Chipotle. It was fine. I go to Freebirds when I'm in the mood for a burrito. Yeah, Freebirds is good. Uh, but I went to Chipotle a couple weeks ago and I placed the order online. Yeah, because I'm use the burrito button. That kind of person. And uh, walked in at like 11:59, and my order was said to be ready at noon. Mm-hmm. Walked right up to the counter. You know, said, "Hey, you know, I'm Jesse. I'm." My Here order should be ready burrito? soon. And they said, oh, okay, like we need to, you know, it might be a couple minutes. We're actually waiting for more carnitas to come out so we can make it. Cool. Okay. No big deal. Okay. A couple minutes late. That's totally fine. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit right here and wait. So I sit down at the table immediately in front of the register. Yeah. Good line of sight. And I, you know, I'm just hanging out, waiting, looking at my phone, watching the register, looking at my phone, watching the register. And... Because they said they were, like, waiting for more ingredients to make my thing, like, I didn't get up and ask immediately mm-hmm. when it started getting a little Too bit long. Too long, yeah. But I sat there for 20 minutes oh. and, like, made eye contact with the employee a couple of times. Like, a, like hey, like, I'm hey, still, I'm I'm still, sitting still looking for that burrito. Yeah. And the, the line 
Yeah, which was chugging through. Had cycled through a couple times. Yeah. So I'm and I, I'm like I'm so mad because I'm like oh, I could have just walked in, waited waited in a long yeah. line and been out. Uh, and so I walk up to the counter. I'm like after 20 minutes, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but like, is my burrito ready yet? Like I assume they forgot about me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the guy at the register is like, oh, I don't know. And he turns around and there's a dude who's like standing there being the like middleman mm-hmm. between the expediter. Tre- yeah. The expediter. And uh, he asked me my name and he goes, oh yeah, it's been ready for 15 minutes. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it's just sitting on the, on, on the hot thing. Yeah. On the shelf. Yeah. Oh me. man. And because I'm a good retail customer, <laughs> I didn't like freak out and lose no, my mind. But like, on. I was so mad. Yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh really? Like I've been waiting a while. He's like, oh sorry, man, I didn't know you were here. I was like, come on, <laughs> talk to the per- like who communicate? Who do, you, who do you think the person is who's been sitting in the table right in front of you, looking yeah. at you for 15, 20 minutes? I had I had kind of the opposite of that experience yesterday. <laughs> uh, so Amy. I uh, went to go see a movie with her friend because I wanted to go hang out mm-hmm. and hadn't done it in a while. And so I was by myself and I'm like, I'm going to go get lunch. So I went to Witch Witch. And I like Witch Witch. Mm. Uh, it's a good sandwich place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got a uh, uh, novel ordering system. I don't know if you've ever been to a Witch Witch. I haven't. So you walk into a Witch Witch and there's a big board uh, on the side that has all the different sandwiches they offer. And there's 60 or so of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's 10 different categories, numbered 1 through 10. And each one has five or six sandwiches on it. Mm-hmm. So, like, under the chicken section, there's, like, chicken salad, chicken cordon bleu, chicken a la king. I'm making some of these up. But uh, <laughs> under the ham, there's, like, ham, ham and cheese, Cuban, ham, pork, pickle. Uh, one they call the back hammon, which is bacon and hammon. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and then, like, Hawaiian, which is ham and pineapple. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you go, oh, I want one of those. And so you, there's a row of bags numbered one through ten. Little, like, sandwich bags, long paper that you would put a sub yeah, in. Yeah. Um, and you pull out the bag and you write your name on the top. And you check off the sandwich from that list of six. So if ham was the number six bag, you grab the six bag and you say, I want this ham sandwich. And there's a big list of ingredients, and you check off the ones you want. Hmm. So I want this cheese. I want some mustard. I want deli mustard. I want pickles right uh, black olives lettuce whatever you want um you know avocado for a buck more right and you pick your sandwich and your size and your bread and you go up to the register and you hand them your bag and they go through it bring you out and say you want chips and a drink sure mm-hmm. and then they put their they clip the bag to a little hook that is on a set of wires that runs across the sandwich bar hmm. And so what a lot of people do is they'll draw a picture on the back of their bag so they can see where they are in the line, nice. which is cool. It's yeah. a nice little, it's a nice little silly kind of homegrown mechanism. Yeah. Um, and I always draw the same picture on the back of my bag because I'm not creative enough to come up with something new. <laughs> and so I draw it. And so I'm sitting and watching my bag. And, and this witch witch is notorious for not calling out your name very loud. Mm. And so like I'm, I'm very hyper aware of like where are my sandwiches in the line because um, usually they'll call out like Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so I'm very aware, and I'm sitting, and the the restaurant is pretty busy. It's lunchtime, and I'm in the far corner, but I'm watching, and I see, oh, they took my bag down. Cool. Like I saw him reach up and grab it. I'm like, okay, my sandwich is about ready. They're gonna wrap it up and put it in there. So I walk over to the fountain, refill my drink, 
and then I'm kind of standing there in front of the counter, like not like just far enough away, so it doesn't seem like I'm like anxious for my sandwich, but like waiting for him to call my name. Right. And he calls out two other names before mine, one of which was Santa Junior, which was cute because it was a little girl who was wearing a Santa hat. And, she, and then she goes to her friend, "See, I told you he'd say it." <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> it's super cute. Oh. Uh, he had to call it a couple times though because they call it like Santa Junior. Because uh, they just don't know how to raise their voice. Like in college, when I went to one, like you could be anywhere in the restaurant, you'd hear them call your name. Yeah, uh, which is how you should do it. Yes, you, you scream the name. Yeah, yeah, you're very loud. And I'm kind of standing there and kind of sipping my drink, and, when I, and eventually they kind of I'm, I'm looking, they kind of look at me, and they go, "You ordered the uh, the Cuban?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that was me." It's like, "Oh, sorry, uh, we had uh, well." We made the wrong size. You'd ordered a large. <laughs> we made a medium. So we're making a small for you, and we're going to give them both to you. It's really more a sandwich. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And so I knew it was going to take a minute. So I went to the restroom. I came back, and there was two sandwiches there for me. Not bad. Uh, so I got two sandwiches for the price of one larger sandwich. And it's more total sandwich. Oh, it's definitely more. Like, I ate yeah. the small one, and was like, oh, I'm kind of full now. I'll save this for dinner. <laughs> I like that. I shouldn't have ordered the large one. Like, in retrospect, like, that would have been too much sandwich. Yeah. But uh, it was still good. It nice. worked out really well. Um, I Sandwiches are, are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're uh, second only to pizza as the great template food. Okay. Because um, you can do anything to it. Yeah. Like, the sandwich is is in the pizza yeah. and and the taco and the burrito mm-hmm. you know the canvas or the thing on rice like they're <laughs> like you can do whatever you yeah. want um and sandwiches are just i love them i love yeah. sandwiches so uh i have been craving a good just italian sub okay which subway <clears throat> which sounds like really easy and simple but it's not Okay. Like, there's some magical quality about delis in the Northeast that <laughs> can create good sandwiches mm-hmm. that just doesn't seem to exist here. And the the best way I can uh, I can describe it is like you can go almost anywhere in in Austin at least mm-hmm. that self describes as serving barbecue, mm-hmm. and you can get something that is actually barbecue yeah and is probably decent mm-hmm. right and some places are amazing yeah but even the cheap generic places are gonna have barbecue they're gonna have actual real barbecue mm-hmm. and it's gonna be pretty decent mm-hmm. um i'll tell you a mistake i made about barbecue in a minute <laughs> which is not the case down here for sandwiches yeah like you can go to a sandwich place and it's gonna like it's it will serve you a literal sandwich like they're mm-hmm. not gonna not serve you a sandwich. Uh, so this sandwich is just two badgers, <laughs> but uh, there is almost no bottom threshold for the quality. There's plenty of sandwich places here that describe themselves to be sandwich places, and they might as well just be Subway, <laughs> uh, which is very bad. Yeah, Subway is a very bad sandwich. Um, so I've but comparison to the north in the northeast you can go to anywhere and get a good sandwich that is a deli yeah and serve sandwiches and you get and there's something about it that's good mm. yeah, it's and, and it's not just that it's like good boar's head deli meat because like you get boar's head deli meat down here too but there's mm. something about the way it's made it's just it's just different right 
so finally, I learned about this place called uh, Little Deli, uh, and it's it's a pizzeria in a deli, and it's owned and run by someone from New Jersey, okay, who owned and ran a pizzeria deli. in deli in New Jersey. Yeah. And I didn't have their pizza, but apparently their pizza is really good. Okay. But I also heard that their sandwiches were really good. Mm-hmm. So I went and I got a foot-long Italian sub. What's on an Italian sub? I don't know my sandwiches very well. Um, it's a lot. Let me. Okay. I'll I'll bring up a list. Cool. Um, but I this was I was hoping for this to be the the, the ideal the thing I'd missed. Yeah. Like if this guy did it in New Jersey, where I would trust it to be good. Like hopefully he can still do it here. Mm-hmm. And I got it, and it was just mediocre <laughs> and it disappointed me so much because like this is supposed to be like the the place the sandwich place in austin where you can get a sandwich that is like the, a sandwich you can get yeah in uh in the northeast and it was mediocre. i mean so i'm guessing you've tried all the like the thundercloud or the jersey mics yeah and and those are all they're like they're all they're not necessarily bad they're just not yeah. they're lacking a certain quality that well, apparently just needs is geographic <laughs> like that seems to be the maybe only thing. maybe he left jersey because he couldn't make it in a sandwich game up there maybe mm, maybe Ooh. uh so in an italian sub you've got uh ham capicola provolone genoa salami uh lettuce tomato onion and uh olive oil and vinegar Okay. Uh, and then you can add salt, pepper, oregano, and sure. you know, like banana peppers or something if you yeah. want. But the for me, there's a there's a deli in Providence, Rhode Island called yeah. Hudson Street. Okay. Uh you go and you get an Italian sub from them and they take an a, a, just a loaf of Italian bread. Just <laughs> an, an entire <laughs> loaf of Italian bread and they split it on the top yeah. and it's it's like a bread bowl. Like it's just <laughs> stuffed and filled with meat with, and, with the stuff. Yeah. And like you have, I would go and I'd get it and you you eat half for lunch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you'd save the other half for dinner or like <laughs> breakfast the next morning. Like it's a big sandwich and the olive oil and the vinegar, like it soaks into the bread yeah. and oh, I miss it so much. Good sandwich. I like, I, I think about that sandwich like at least once a week. <laughs> I miss, there are things I miss about the Northeast. That's one of them. Oh. All right, so tell me uh, what happened yeah, barbecue. With, with barbecue. Well, it's, it's not a long story, mm-hmm. but, like, again, as you say, Austin, you can go anywhere and there's, like, decent barbecue. Right. Like, you can survive off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I made the mistake of going to Jason's Deli, which is not generally a mistake. Jason's Deli is fine. Yeah, it's fine. They make a they, – the, the thing I order 90% of the time, 98% of the time, is called the New York Yankee, mm-hmm. which is three quarters of a pound of meat – uh, half pastrami, half corned beef, Ooh. Uh, on rye with Swiss cheese and mustard. Yeah, like that's the entire sandwich. Yeah. It's amazing. Sounds I love great. it. Like I want to go to a real New York deli and like order the same sandwich and see how amazing it would be, because it would be amazing. Yeah, that th- that is a potential incredible sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, with Jason's Deli, like pastrami and corned beef and Swiss cheese and mustard, it's fine, and I like it. Yeah, but like out of a like real like they corn the beef in house sort of place. Like, that would be an amazing sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes I mix it up because, you know, I, I also call it the cow on a cracker because it's just a giant <laughs> pile of meat with a little piece of bread under it. Uh, but 
they were like, oh, it's our Texas barbecue sandwiches back. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a thing. Like, cause like, I like barbecue sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Like, it would, you know, be some roast beef, a little bit of barbecue sauce. They put some cheddar on it, which is cool. Like, not everyone likes cheese on their, their but it's just a sandwich. It's all right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. I'll order that. And then as I started eating, I was like, oh, wait, this is not real barbecue. <laughs> This is literally just roast beef covered in barbecue sauce. Uh, and I was like, oh, I regret this decision. That sucks. <laughs> and, and like part of me is like I used to get at Jason's Deli as a kid something called the Texas Spud, which was a baked potato with chipped beef and barbecue sauce and cheddar cheese on top. And it was yeah. a really good sand- or sandwich. Potato. Potato sandwich. <laughs> Potato sandwich. <laughs> um, and part of me is like, was it ever good? And I just didn't have like no good barbecue. Mm. Uh, but it also wasn't roast beef. It was like a chipped beef. Yeah. It was much closer to a yeah. real barbecue texture as well. But they stopped serving that years ago. But I'm like, oh, you can't just put barbecue sauce on meat and call it a sandwich. That's uh, like... In Texas. In Texas. Right? Like, in Texas. Like, like that's, that's the difference. That's what makes these things regional. Yeah. Like you can do that everywhere yeah. else. Like Ohio. Like my sister really struggled to find good barbecue in Ohio when right. she lived there. Right. Like I, I, in Massachusetts, I know of two places that actually barbecue their food, their barbecue, and, and, and like yeah. everywhere else, you can like you can get things that have the word barbecue in them all the time, but it's just a thing with barbecue sauce on. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not. But I, I was really sad about that sandwich because, <laughs> like, oh yeah, barbecue. That sounds good. Like, like, like a barbecue sandwich. Right, yeah, yeah. It was not what I got. No, that's too like. Bad. The Austin Airport's barbecue sandwich is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can go, it's a Dickie's, and, and Dickie's is fine. Like, Dickie's isn't the world's best barbecue, but it's fine. Right. The, and bar- barbecue is such a great uh, method of cooking meat because it's, like, it's hard to barbecue stuff. But as long as you're actually barbecuing, you'll be okay. Like it's gonna be pretty good. Yeah, and you can you can have decent barbecue or great barbecue, but any barbecue is at least pretty good. Yeah, uh, I actually thought about corning my own beef just to make like a true corned beef sandwich. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but yeah, it is. I thought about it. I thought it would be fun. Yeah, I do want to make, uh, and this is like I'm literally we're going to the store when I get back. Uh, <laughs> we're going to the store because we're, we're going to do one last grocery run. To get a little bit of stuff to get us until we leave on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to get the stuff to make Alton Brown's instant hot cocoa mix. Ooh, what goes in that? Uh, I'm glad you asked, Jesse. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. Like, I, I apparently it was in an episode of Good Eats because it came out of a Good Eats cookbook, but I have not made it before. Uh, so, hot cocoa mix by Mr. Brown. Uh, two cups confectioner sugar. One cup unsweetened cocoa powder, preferably Dutch process. Two and a half cups non-fat and dry milk powder. Mm-hmm. One teaspoon fine grain salt, not kosher salt. That's an important distinction. Yeah. Uh, two teaspoons cornstarch and one pinch or more to taste ground cayenne pepper, optional, but I'd put it in. Mm-hmm. Give that that little that little bit of kick on the back. Yeah. And then hot milk or water to serve. Uh, you combine it all. Put it in an aircon container, two tablespoons of the mix into a mug, and add about two five ounces of hot water or milk. Start to combined. Fill the mug with more hot water and milk and enjoy. Yeah, that does sound good. Yeah. Throw some cinnamon in there, too. Uh, you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, could do some nutmeg. Some fresh ground nutmeg right on top would be pretty good. Yeah. I, I really like a cinnamon in my cocoa. That's fair. Yeah. 
but uh, I was I, I saw he, like it popped up on his like Instagram or Facebook or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I was like, I need to make that. Yeah, that does sound really good. Just like ugh, I hate I hate the laziness in in myself. Yeah, because I like I'll just like I got a tub of Swiss Miss. Oh, we I'll, had some last time. Yeah, and like it's but it's like, fine. It's fine. That's the problem. Yeah, is there's nothing wrong with it, and so it's perfectly fine. So the like I well like maybe as a novelty I'll make my own like cocoa yeah. mix. But at like some that point, you but. could make on mass like you could make you could double or triple that recipe and it would keep like there's nothing right. perishable in there. Or I could just buy some more Swiss Miss. Spend four dollars and buy a tub of Swiss Miss and yeah. just do that. Like that's that's such a common thing. There, or there's very few things that I trouble myself to make. Yeah, they're like real good. I'm gonna make stuff. you some hot cocoa mix for your birthday. That's what I decided. <laughs> I'm gonna get a double batch and make uh, some for Jesse. But like, like I, like I bake my own bread and I yeah. like make my own pizza and yeah. I'll, like, there's certain things where I make the high quality version of, and I really like that. But man, I wish I had a life where I made the high quality version of everything. It's a lot of work, right? Yeah, like it's not something. Uh, speaking of almond brown recipes, uh, his eggnog is great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have, so he's got two eggnogs. He's got a. a a standard eggnog that he makes that I really like. That's what I've made most of the time. Mm-hmm. That came out of a Good Eats recipe, uh, and and does like the primary ingredient is raw eggs. Yeah, it's like real eggnog. Yeah, it's yeah. like real egg, which I'd never had before I made it. Like I'd always had like the stuff that came in the the Soco carton, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> yeah, but it's not good. I've never had real eggnog. It's good. If I like grocery store eggnog, just yeah. fine. I like. I don't. I don't love it, yeah, but I think it's I think it's good. So I I, I think I would really like the real, real stuff's good. Yeah, like I like it. But he also makes, and I I'm like strongly considering like making some for next year mm-hmm. is an aged eggnog. That sounds scary. Uh, so he makes it. It's got a ton of alcohol in it, so it kills everything. Oh, okay. Um, but you, he's like you make it and then like age it for at minimum one month, hmm. um, but preferably longer. And so part of me wants to make a batch of it. And then just put it in my fridge until next Christmas. It'll it, it'll you, it'll last that long. You can yeah. eat it that long. Yeah. Hmm. He goes, and it might never last that long, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I would I would really like to. Is uh is like real eggnog? Is that a difficult thing to make? It just seems like you get a bunch of stuff and mix it up. There's right? a, there's a bit there's, of a process. Yeah. So you um you make a mild meringue actually. Oh. Uh, is is part of it? So you whip the egg whites. Uh, some of the egg whites into a meringue um, and then fold that into the rest of it. That's how it's so light. Okay. And, yeah. Um, but it's like, it's not difficult, but there's, there is a process. Well, I mean, like yeah. making a meringue requires some technique. Yeah. Like you have, like to, I screwed it up once. Yeah. Um, it's not no. dump stuff in a blender and mix it up. No. <clears throat> um, that sounds like fun. I, that sounds like something I'd want to do. Like if I was hosting a holiday party, like yeah. I, I make a ton of like my own homemade eggnog. You do have to. I mean, you have to be careful about your eggs because mm-hmm. they're raw, right? Um, but you can buy pasteurized eggs and they work well. Yeah, I don't. They're, they're safe. Raw egg doesn't bother me. Well, so like raw good egg doesn't bother me. <laughs> raw cheap egg bothers me. True. True. Um, so yeah, eggnog, uh, four egg yolks. Sugar, whole milk, heavy cream, four egg whites, uh, and some nutmeg and bourbon. Mm. So uh, in a stand mixer, egg yolks until they lighten in color. Add the sugar and beat until completely dissolved. Add the milk, cream, bourbon, and nutmeg and start to combine. 
So that's that's the easy part. Like that's right. yolks, sugar, and other ingredients. Then you place the egg whites in a bowl and beat until soft peaks. Um, and then add the sugar until stiff peaks. You're making a meringue. Right. And then you whisk the egg whites into the mixture, and it becomes the full oh, sounds thing. Sounds great. It's real good. I um, kind of I kind of want to make some now. <laughs> I might buy some pa- uh, some uh, pasteurized eggs at the store when I go in tonight. Nice. Um, have you ever uh, had like actual egg like eggs right out of a chicken, like from a farm no. or like raw milk or? Uh, I've had. No, I've not had raw milk. Uh, I I would like to. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to have farm fresh eggs. Like that would be great. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of eating things very immediately from its from their source, mm-hmm. right? Um, like one of my favorite things growing up was uh, my backyard just like happened to have a pear tree. <laughs> So you just go eat a pear? Which, yeah, it would, like there's something so cool about yes. like, oh, I want a snack. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go eat a pear. Like I'll just walk outside and grab a pear off of this tree and eat it. And you know, it's only for like a month out of the year. Like, yeah, are there pears that you can eat, but, um, like it, it's really really awesome. When uh, when I lived with my sister, uh, we had chickens, which was horrible because chickens are yeah, chickens are terrible, terrible bad animals yeah. and i will never have chickens on my own but it was pretty cool to like walk outside and, and pick up farm fr- like pick up fresh some eggs, eggs and eat them for yeah. breakfast yeah like uh they, they taste good yeah like there there is a marked difference yeah. between uh even a good egg from a grocery store and, and, and an, an egg, egg out of a chicken that just came like out you of just a squeezed chicken. a chicken and egg came out <laughs> you yeah you gotta squeeze them yeah squeeze them real good <laughs> um, okay uh i might cut this out i just had the image of my brain of squeezing a chicken and the egg breaking inside of the chicken. (laughs) That poor chicken. That's a horrible image. I hate that. (laughs) Well, the good news is that probably won't happen because eggs are very structurally sound. It is very difficult just by applying like generic pressure onto an egg to crack it. Yeah, you got to hit it. Yeah. Squeezing an egg and, and breaking it is difficult. Um, uh, I've had raw milk and it's it's more weird. Yeah, like I guess it's good, but it's weird. I buy every now and then from Sprouts. There's a uh, uh, batch pasteurized, non homogenized milk that I buy. Mm-hmm. So the batch pasteurization process is a very low temp pasteurization. Okay. So basically, when you pasteurize stuff, according to the FDA, you can do it. High temp for quick or low temp for long. Right. And time is money, so most milk you buy is pasteurized at a very high temperature for very short periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but batch pasteurization is the much lower temp where it's raised uh, just over 100 degrees hmm. um, for 30 minutes instead of like 20 seconds. Interesting. Um, and theoretically, I don't know, the, the full science is it kills less of the good stuff in it. Yeah, I don't. It's a little, a little woo for me, but it's fine. Um, but it's also non-homogenized, so the fat like rises to the top. Yeah, I gotta mix it up first. Yeah, yeah, and it's really expensive. It's probably at least twice as expensive as normal milk. Yeah, uh, but I buy it every now and then. And it is so good. Just to drink it, or yep, just drink it straight. Yeah, like I don't like uh, you. Some people will like literally take the cream off the top and like mix it into coffee. 
Mm. Uh, but no, I just I will just shake the bottle up and pour myself a small like eight ounce glass of milk and just enjoy it. Do you will you drink a glass of milk otherwise, or is that? Um, I will. Like yeah. I like milk. Uh, I, I know some people who just like don't drink milk. Yeah, no, I like milk, but I don't buy it very often. And Amy drinks uh, flax milk usually. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So we don't have milk in our apartment very often because. Mm. Uh, we don't drink it fast enough to have a lot of it, but right. sometimes I feel like, oh, like I want to just, I want to buy some of that really good milk and drink it, and I'll do when it's good. Yeah, that that does sound really. But it's good. like five or six bucks that. for a half gallon. But if it, if in your brain you're not just like, oh, go to the store and buy milk, like you're yeah. buying a special thing. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's definitely worth it. Like it's not a like, oh no, it's like going to buying chocolate milk. Like yeah. chocolate milk's more expensive, yes. but you're not. It's not like a staple to keep <laughs> in your house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite eating experiences ever was when I was in California and, uh, they, I ate a goat that was butchered like an hour. Oh, wow. Before. That's cool. Yeah. Like, like they butchered a goat and then we had some meat and, and cooked then it. we made a fire and we cooked it. That's pretty great. Yeah. And like. I didn't even like love the goat meat. Like, sure, it's a very weird flavor, but it was the experience. Re- yeah, like eating something, eating meat that was like super fresh was yeah. really cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean it's gross and stuff. But yeah, it was great. Yeah. Do you ever watch uh, Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern? I have seen it. I love. I love that show. Yeah, that's a cool. But show. like that's a, that's a lot of what they'll do. Like when he's on that show, even for, bar, for Bizarre Foods US, like mm-hmm. he'll. Like, we'll be on, like, a fishing boat, and then we'll catch a fish. It's like, oh, let's chop this up and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I always, I always kind of am excited by those scenes where it's like, I'm going to cook this thing and then eat it right now. Like, yeah. I'm going to catch it, cook it, and eat it. Yeah, that is really cool. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever, like, killed my own food. I I've haven't. Ne- I've never hunted. I went hunting once, and it was not a very fun experience, and we didn't kill anything. No? Hunting for what? Pig. Really? Like wild. That's dangerous. Yes. <laughs> I'm okay that we didn't catch anything. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even see a pig. Okay. Yeah. That's better than uh, seeing one, trying to kill it, and not, because you probably would have come out with Yeah, no, we, we went, like, while we were doing it, uh, it was, my dad took me with, like, a business guy I never knew, like, I didn't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get up super early, of course. And... <laughs> <laughs> so you had a shotgun and a gun in your holster on your hip. Yeah. And the basic strategy was like you shoot the pig with your shotgun first, and then while it's running at you, you pull out your handgun and continue shooting at the pig. At least that's that's how they sold it to me. Yeah. I'm like that doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a like a because you can put off more bullets from a handgun than you can from a shotgun yeah. so it, yeah and it's and it's a 600 pound animal right it needs a lot of bullets yeah yeah oh we did not see any pigs so i was okay with that were you hoping to not see any pigs um i don't know like i don't know how i felt at the time like we were joking because we were out in mesquite texas or uh-huh. near mesquite there are a lot of mesquite trees there so maybe that's why i think it was mesquite <laughs> um but we were kind of joking at the time, like, the good news is you killed a pig. The bad news is you killed a pig, and now you got to get it out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's 600 It's a 600-pound <laughs> animal. You've got to haul back to your vehicle somehow. Uh, yeah, that sounds, like, uh, not worth the reward. 
Yeah, it's a lot of work. Like, I guess you can get some good meat out of it, yeah. but ugh, that's too much. Seemed like a lot. Uh, I never went hunting. I had an uncle who hunted. Like, he hunted deer and turkey. Yeah. He did give us, uh, he gave us some venison, and it was really good. Oh, sure. But I've always wanted to be on Survivor, and if I was on Survivor, I'd probably kill and eat my own food. Yeah. You think you could, you think you'd do Survivor? You think you'd be good at it? I don't know if I'd be good at it. I would like to go. You were an Eagle Scout? I was an Eagle Scout. So the thing about winning, Surv- winning Survivor is not about how as good of a survivalist you are. Right. Uh, it's about how can you talk to other people. Like, right. it's, it's very much a social game. Yeah. I watched, I watched the very first season of Survivor. Like yeah. Day one, I started. And I've, I've watched it on and off since then. CBS makes it really hard for me to watch their show regularly, which makes me mad. Why? Well, because they don't have, they don't stream it anywhere except the CBS streaming app. <laughs> and I'm not paying $5 a month to access CBS streaming app where I can get some episodes of Survivor, the last five episodes of Big Bang Theory that aired, and every episode of I Love Lucy. <laughs> That's quite the collection. Yeah. What about when the Star Trek show comes out? I will buy them on iTunes. Okay. Like that's, that's like that's my plan. Is like I'm gonna buy them. Yeah, that's fair. Because I would rather do that than put up with CBS All Access. Yeah. Because you can't call it All Access when I can't watch all your shows. Because you're not accessing all. Yeah. Um, Makes me mad. I uh, I had a pellet gun. Yeah. When I was a teenager, and I killed a bird. No. Mm-hmm. Once, c- kind of by accident. Did you point a gun at it? Well, that's why it's kind of by accident. Like I pointed the gun at it and I pulled the trigger and then I was really shocked when the bird died. <laughs> okay. Like I, I had I had no expectation that I would hit it. Uh and also no understanding that like if I did hit it, it would, it would die. die. And it, like, really messed me up. Yeah. Because, you know, I was, like, kind of far away and I was, like, sitting on a fence and I just shot it. pellet gun and I shot it. And then it disappeared and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what just happened? Oh, man. Yeah, that made me really sad. I didn't eat it. Yeah. That's it's the only time I've okay. ever killed anything. Yeah. I mean, because I did, I did shooting in the scouts. Like, we had rifle and yeah. shotgun and archery. Archery's fun. Archery's my thing. Yeah. I, I would like... I think hunting would be fun, but I would like to do it with a bow because bow hunting is real hard. Yeah, but like because it's like a it's like a challenge of an activity. It's yeah. less of a point of thing at a thing, and it dies. Yeah, <laughs> I assume there's some difficulty in actual like gun hunting as well, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, the only difficulty I had was walking around in the woods. That was annoying. <laughs> well, the difficulty is putting enough bullets in a pig and then getting the pig oh, out. Yeah. Yeah, on Survivor, usually on Survivor, as a reward, someone ends up with a few chickens. Uh, to cook, kill, and cook. Well, and to eat. kill or cook or to, you know, have lay eggs and eat those. Like, that's mm. that. both of those are viable solutions. Yeah. In the very first season of Survivor, because I remember things like this, <laughs> uh, they got three chickens as a reward for a challenge. Uh-huh. They nicknamed them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> that's a lot of food. Yeah. I don't think they killed them off that quickly, but... Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was a thing like Survivor, but the challenge was actually surviving. I mean, Survivor has some of that, like has a fair amount of that. Yeah, but that's not, but I wish that's all it was. So, mm, Survivor Man. 
but but with multiple people <laughs> competing against each other. Yeah. I'm surprised Bear Grylls hasn't done a show like that. That seems in his wheelhouse. Right. Yeah, that does seem like a Bear Grylls thing. Because Survivor Man is cool, but it is not entertaining necessarily. I think so. I mean, there's a lot of just watching someone like sit. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that. But like, which is a big part of surviving yeah. in the wilderness. <laughs> Like, just sitting down and doing things that are not dangerous. Yes. Like, that's an important part of surviving. <laughs> that's why Bear Grylls is much more popular. Right. Because he's like, well, I could go down this trail on the left-hand side, or I could jump off this waterfall. Right. He's about showing you the ridiculous things that can be survived. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I I would have fun competing in a contest where you dump 20 people in a landscape, and you say, okay, like, the first person to... Like, or the last person to not give up wins <laughs> and just put cameras everywhere. Yeah. There was literally a show about not giving up. Uh, I think they ran it for three or four seasons called Solitary. Okay. Uh, it was a fascinating idea for a game show. And I watched the first couple seasons. I think it was called Solitary. Uh, and it was nine people each put into a room by themselves. Um, like just solitary confinement like solitary confinement uh, and the the way you lost was by quitting yeah and so there were challenges and um, like one of the challenges was eat these progressively spicier foods <laughs> okay um, so they're all challenges you have to do like by yourself like and there's a there's a computer voice telling you what to do and like how to like and there was a, there's a bathroom in a secret room you don't see that they can move into. And you come back from the bathroom and there's like, oh, there's a thing here I got to do. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of very different endurance challenges. But literally the way you lost is by quitting. Hmm. And that was it. See, I already think that's too complicated because there's well, challenges. I know. Like the premise Just is... Just staying in a solitary like, confinement yeah, for as long as you can. The premise is so strong... Yeah. And compelling, it's just not entertaining to watch. And that's not possible when yeah. you're making a television it's, show. It's real tough. Yeah. <laughs> like, like imagine if there was a show where you just watched, like, like a 10-way split screen of oh. people sitting in a room. Like, yeah, no one would good. watch no, it. No, but the idea is so compelling. Yeah. Solitary is pretty good. I enjoyed it as a, as a show. That does sound interesting. That's like, I mean, that's almost just like torturing people on television. Yeah. It's real close. It's, I guess the only reason... Like, it's... they literally sat on a bed of nails at one point. <laughs> like, not pointy nails, but, like, pegs. It hurts enough. And they... Yeah. Uh, but I guess the only thing that makes that not torture is... They can quit? It's their own free will? Yeah. Like, they literally can quit whenever they want. Right. Ugh. Is there, is there like, a cash prize or something? Yeah, a million dollars or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there's always a big button on the side of the room. Like, if you want to quit, just hit this button. <laughs> <laughs> What's the prize on Survivor? Is million. It million dollars? Yes. Solitaire is probably less than a million. Yeah. That was, uh, but yeah, man, Survivor is such a fun show. Although this year I got mad at. Really? Yeah. Well, I may have mentioned this already, but this year's theme, well, this season's theme, there's two seasons per year, which is how in the last 15 years there's been 30 seasons of Survivor. And this theme, this season, because often they'll do themes, 
was Gen X versus Millennials. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. And it was super dumb. That's really dumb. It was super dumb. Yeah. And I stopped watching it because it was super dumb. Hashtag Millennials. Apparently it was a good season regardless, but I just couldn't put up with it. Not because, like, it's a dumb... I mean, it's a dumb premise because you can't accurately, like, define people by Gen X slash Millennial. Like, that's not a... There's a... That's not real. There's a very large, fuzzy line. Yeah. Yeah. Between them. Yeah, it's dumb. I mean, I get... I guess you just pick an age and have a two different age groups that's all it is right? yeah but show. but like a lot of the challenges were like you know who's lazier oh uh, millennials are all like this gen x's are all like this <laughs> like it was baked into the premise oh that's stupid. like if it was just like old people and young people i'd be like okay fine that's cool yeah but so much of it was like you know how does it feel to be a millennial on survivor how does it feel to be a gen x on survivor and it just no 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 and the gen xers like it's really ironic and a millennials like I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I saw a thing on Twitter, uh, which was really funny. Uh, you know, it's a there's some really horrible popular trend where magazines and newspapers write articles about like why don't millennials do this thing that other people do? Yeah, buy houses, diamonds. Right, uh, and one of them, one of them, which this is the most dumb specific thing I've seen yet is. Like millennials don't buy fabric softener, and it like inter- interviewed some <laughs> executive at Downey or yeah. something about like why they can't sell fabric softener to millennials. And so I saw on Twitter like a screen capture of that headline. Yeah, uh, and the <laughs> the person's tweet just said, uh, "Breaking news: Generation without any money doesn't buy unnecessary stuff." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't buy fabric softener. Yeah, neither do I. Because I have never once, like, handled my fabrics and been like, oh, this should be softer. Uh, I do use other people's fabric softener. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Amy doesn't buy fabric softener either. Mm-hmm. Um, she has uh, wool dryer balls that are mm-hmm. supposed to, A, be not, you know, chemicals. They're just wool. Right. Um, but B, work much like fabric softener. Mm-hmm. And she usually remembers to put them into the dryer. I don't. <laughs> yeah um but when we were in Asheville this summer uh, i was doing my laundry and i said hey where's your fabric softener because i assumed they would have some yeah her parents and they did um but her mom was very confused about like why i was asking and i'm like well i'm doing laundry i thought i'd put some fabric softener in here yeah um and then amy's mom came to visit a few months later i was doing laundry again and I don't know why I thought about it, but I did for like one time ever think about using the dryer balls. I'm like, oh, Amy, where are your dryer balls? I'll throw them into my laundry. Uh-huh. And then Amy's mom was like very confused as to why I was not using fabric softener. <laughs> She's like, why did you make such a big deal about using our fabric softener if you don't use it at home? <laughs> I'm like, I, 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 I figured you'd had some. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all it was, was I wasn't, because right. I was like, I don't use it here. Because Amy was like, why do you do the dryer balls? You never put those in. I'm like, well, I thought about it. So I thought I was going to do right. it. Yeah, like there's no way like you would bother to keep it in your own house. No, but, I mean as long as it's there, why not? Yeah, I mean just yeah. think at my parents' house. Like they get fabric softener; it's yeah. on the shelf next to the the detergent. So, but, like, doesn't it? I'll throw some in. Doesn't it sound so bizarre that like there's generations of people before us who just like buy fabric softener every time it runs out, and they always put fabric soft. Like, what are they like? Why? Well, I mean, marketing is my guess. Right. Like, that's that's typically the answer to these things. 
This, your fabric's not soft enough. This teddy bear said so. <laughs> I was watching uh, Adam Ruins Everything clips because I love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned that uh, Listerine was made to solve a made-up problem. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Listerine was originally a floor cleaner. Really? And nobody bought it for that. So the marketing folks for Listerine basically invented halitosis. <laughs> um, and, like, it was brilliant marketing because it was your friends will never tell you if your breath stinks. Right. But you might have stinky breath, so use Listerine. Well. And, like, before Listerine, nobody really cared or noticed or, like, it wasn't really a problem culturally. But then afterwards, everyone's like, oh, no, if my breath stinks, nobody will tell me. Do you use a mouthwash? No. No, neither do I. Sometimes Amy buys it, and then I'll use it. But, again, it's because it's there, not because I'm actively trying to. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure sure there are countless examples of things like that. that Yeah. And it's true, like, people who are younger are doing those things less because they have less money. Mm-hmm. So they spend their money on things that are more essential. Yeah. But. Like pants. Like pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've bought pants. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing pants right now. <laughs> am I? I don't know. But now everyone else that listens to this is questioning if I was always wearing pants <laughs> or if it just happened now. Um, but I mean. You can keep going back and saying, "Hey, like, was this was this thing invented mm-hmm. for a real reason or for a marketing reason?" And like, there's got to be some things that were invented for real reasons. Yeah, like refrigerators. Like at one, yeah, right. Like at one point, people didn't have refrigerators, and it's not just like a marketing invention that people bought refrigerators yeah. or In, like indoor I'm, plumbing. <laughs> yeah, like I'm thinking like like. Like toothbrushes and toothpaste. Yeah, those are probably good. You go back in history and at a certain point, people weren't brushing their teeth because they didn't have things to brush their teeth with. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have a paste to put on their teeth. And then that was invented. But even then you could use uh, people like before toothpaste, people would use like baking soda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But like you can always say, well, like, I mean, people didn't always use that. So you don't really need it. Yeah. But well, there are people who do that and sometimes (laughs) they're wrong. (laughs) True. But uh, yeah, like I like I like having a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't use fabric softener. No, I don't either. Or buy diamonds or have a mortgage. Yeah, no, none of those things. And I don't even like the the buying a house thing seems to be a really uh, like a really contentious mm-hmm. one because people are there's some like moral or emotional component to like owning a home. Mm-hmm. People think everyone should. should. Yeah. want that and do that but like i don't really have a desire to buy a house i currently don't not like yeah. like i guess i like the idea of having a like a building that only i live in <laughs> but i don't have any attachment to buying to you, know, you could rent a house owning it right like yeah. you can rent a house because i and then people will say like oh but that's you know you buy a house and then you know that's how you can like accrue wealth like it is valuable and mm-hmm. it, you know except the bank owns it i mean i get until you pay off your mortgage yeah in 30 years yeah right but like that like that sounds terrible to yeah. me like i don't like debt i don't like the idea of it so i don't necessarily want it unless i have to have it yeah and i don't have to own a home Mm-mm. and i don't care about like passing on wealth to my 
children mm-hmm. necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. So, but other people, it's like it. It's like um one of the most important things you need to do in your life is it's the American dream. Yeah, like you grow up and you get a degree and get married and buy a house mm-hmm. and. And have two and a half beautiful children, <laughs> on get, average, and get the promotions and die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>